Every Day's a Monday is exactly that, a new opportunity to turn it all around. It's a fresh start. See, as men, we walk in this world desperately wanting to understand who we are and what our purpose is and how do we get there. We get there through a foundation and a systematic approach, and that is everything we talk about on the podcast. We are a brotherhood, and we recognize and understand that without a foundation, without a system put into place, we cannot be successful. Our life resides deeper within ourselves through the darkness that wants to consume us. It is our duty to seek out after our light in order for us to walk in this world with our purpose and to become fearless warriors. All right, welcome back to Every Day is a Monday. I'm absolutely honored and blessed to have my guest on the show today, Dr. Robert Yoho. Dr. Robert Yoho, for 38 years, had a thriving business in California. He has numerous board certifications, and he's written multiple books. Today, we're going to focus on one of his books called Butchered by Healthcare, what to do about doctors, big pharma, corrupt government, ruining your health, and medical care. Healthcare is the top cause of all overall debt and personal bankruptcy. We focus on psychiatric medicine and how 20% of Americans are taking at least five different types of pills, how the FDA allows big pharma to falsify studies to patent drugs, and how these corporations hire tons of ghostwriters to lie and manipulate medical journals for marketing lies. We talk about the transhumanist movement, we the Great Reset. COVID-19, and the vaccination. This is an extremely controversial show. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Let's get into it. I'm absolutely blessed to have him on the show. I'm very nervous to have him on the show, in all honesty. He's written multiple books. One is called Butchered by Healthcare, uh, What to Do About Doctors, Big Pharma, and Corrupt Government, Ruining Your Health and Medical Care. Um, he's got a lot of books, and I'm going to let him kind of talk about his his background. Yes, he's actually showing the book right now, which is amazing. He, it, It's great. So, so, Doctor, again, I kind of butchered that. Just, but oh, Joshua, it was perfectly fine, except for... Uh... You know, I was an Eagle Scout once, too, and a lot of that stuff's irrelevant, and I did partial residencies in, in some of those fields. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe I'm not quite as well qualified, but as you say, but I do have a 25-page resume, like many other people in my age group who were doctors, and you don't have to doctor me. We're colleagues here. We're on podcast together, and uh, I need to do my 10 second disclaimer because of the plaintiff's lawyers. Please. And what I always say is use this information at your own risk. It's not medical care. If you need help uh, in any medical way, you need to see your licensed provider. So sorry about that. I believe everything I said, and it's based on uh, four or five years of research now. There's a couple of things I do want to discuss throughout the show. And one of the major focuses is the healthcare industry, uh, how they have uh, through big pharma, what their their ideology is, the direction they're going, how they make money, how they intentionally want us to be sick. I want to parlay that into COVID as well, because I, I do believe it's very important. Uh, you know, Dr. Dr. Yoho is also very well versed on understanding what the what COVID, the, the pandemic, how it's it's very it's been very systemic and polarizing. On top of that, um, this notion of what this vaccine is, what it's really doing, um, and and just how negligent our our pharmaceutical companies and healthcare industry is. Well, it's quite a story, and I can sort of tell you my story, and you might uh, segue into the big story from my story. So I I'm like Rip Van Winkle. I was asleep at the wheel for decades. And I didn't understand any of this stuff. And I was uh, working on 
my cosmetic surgery patients, putting breast implants in these women and doing liposuction and making their backsides look good and doing facelifts. And I started uh, realizing that they were uh, aging along with me, to put it politely, right? And the ones over 50 were often just tortured by the change of life, menopause. And so I learned about and studied and finally became certified in treatment of these women with bioidentical hormones. And I eventually published this book, uh, which is Hormone Secrets. And that um, that Aztec mask, or whatever it is, the Mexican mask there, was a four-foot-high thing that I found in a Mexican restaurant in Houston and superimposed the hormones on. And that's supposed to represent what goes on in a person's brain on hormones, right? This is a woman, but it's it happens for men, too. But anyway, uh, I, I published that book on hormone secrets, and I learned that the FDA had put these black box warnings on the hormones. In other words, we were supposed to be afraid of uh, heart attacks and strokes and cancer for the three or four most commonly used hormones. And it's a very serious aftermarket warning. But as I studied the field, I realized it was a pack of lies, and this led me down what your your generation calls the rabbit hole. And I was in that <laughs> rabbit hole for four years. <clears throat> it became an obsession to understand medical corrupt first hormone corruption and then medical corruption. And <clears throat> I'm just going to give you a teaser about the hormones and just Please. let you know how corrupt the whole thing is. If we put all of our women on estrogen at 50 years old when they go through the change of life or menopause, Alzheimer's would be reduced by 85%. Now that sounds like a completely crazy claim, but I, you know, and the re, so what I did in Hormone Secrets is I put an appendix, Appendix C, and I put 75 references for that claim. And I mean, no conventional doctor is going to, going to believe that right off the bat. But if you read this book and understand the, the depth of the cover-ups on bioidentical hormones, I mean, we've been using these things. We've been using thyroid for 120 years. The clinical experience with this drug is unparalleled. We've been using estrogen, progesterone, testosterone for 50, 60, 70 years. Um, and these things are tremendously beneficial. They lengthen life. And I mean, we made growth hormone practically unobtainable and so expensive that you can't, nobody can afford it. And it's difficult to prescribe because the FDA has claimed that it causes cancer and other things. So, um, so th with this background, <clears throat> I started learning about medical corruption. And I looked at one field after the other. And, you know, I examined the insurance industry. I looked at uh, hospitals. I looked at, uh, you know, the uh, big pharma and medical devices. And this, let me stop here for a second. Big pharma is the most criminal industry in history. They lost $86 billion in judgments and settlements to civil plaintiffs and U.S. federal prosecutors since 2000. And have had thousands of criminal records. Their payoffs are on a Wikipedia page, and your listeners can uh, access that. Just uh, search for uh, Wikipedia uh, pharmaceutical company uh, lawsuits. And there are three companies that have had single settlements, which have been over $2 billion each Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, and GlaxoSmithKline. Pfizer had an anti-inflammatory called Bextra that caused 50,000 deaths, and they knew it would happen ahead of time, and they rolled out the drug anyway. It's almost like the 
Well, it's very similar to their story with the vaccine, only the deaths are in the millions. <laughs> I mean, it's completely crazy. Well, doctor, you, do you know that uh, there was yeah. th- there's a woman that worked years ago. Her name was Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf worked for. Um, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the, the large. Wolf. Yeah. And they, well, she came out and, and um, uh, she, I'm totally blanking on. It wasn't Charles Schwab. It was Goldman Sachs. So she worked for Goldman Sachs. And she used to sit with these pharmaceutical companies and they would have, they would, they would look and they would say, okay, what is the, what is, is the risk worth the reward? And they would have these, these, you know, these risk assessment meetings where they would sit with all the heads and they would say, okay, if, if we end up, if the, the deaths, can we be willing to pay off the amount of people that die? What would that cost for us? And they would look at what the millions were that it would cost. They would project it out and they would say, okay, well, we might have to pay 10 or $15 million in lawsuits. Who cares? We're going to make a hundred billion dollars on it. So it's worth us pushing them, peddling the drug. This is why, again, we see over and over again, people that come from Pfizer, Moderna, GlaxoSmithKline, they end up swapping and working for the FDA. They work for uh, you know, the, uh, the Department of Agriculture. This is this is an ongoing, it's very systemic, and they allow each other to go back and forth to, so these laws can be written um, so they're protected. I, it was, what, 1976 that Congress passed a law uh, absolving any type of pharmaceutical or healthcare company from having to pay out any major lawsuit because, yes, Pfizer is the number one pharmaceutical company that has had payouts over, be due due to to do deaths to ramifications to to you know um, uh, continual injuries and and that have sustained people uh, and and it's unfortunate but yet we don't want to talk about this and you brought up something about hormones and estrogen and I'm amazed that the the I believe the main reason why and I'm, we're seeing it a lot more now people that are especially men that are going on testosterone replacement therapy and and at a younger and younger age I do think some of it has to do with you know the the chemicals that are in food I do believe that some of it has to do with the bisphenol A um, I mean we're being inundated on a daily basis with with chemicals that uh, erode uh, these types of areas especially when it comes to hormone production in the pituitary gland in in, in men and women so you know the, the the fascinating thing for me is why would what do you think think the reason is other than not wanting us to take responsibility for our own life and our own health and having to be codependent on these these pharmaceutical companies do you think that there's a reason for it? like obviously besides money what do you think that the agenda is <laughs> that's the big question i think uh we're kind of <laughs> skipping to the conclusions uh, before we establish all the background but um you know yeah clearly i i think it's clear it's clear to me that these Pharmaceutical companies are simple criminals, and they're opportunistic, and they're going along for the ride, and that the real uh, leadership and the mendacity are in other global predators, right? And the global predators include, uh, you know, these billionaires like Gates. They include the Chinese Communist Party. They include, I mean, it's just a, it's the most crazy insane conspiracy that has ever happened in our lifetime. And I use that phrase knowing full well that it was invented or used commonly by the CIA. And it was started to be used as a, uh, as a way to deride uh, other narratives by the, the uh, CIA who probably killed JFK, you know, and they called the people who claimed that they had, been the guilty party conspiracy theorist. So ever since then, um, you know, it's ridiculous that people say that there aren't conspiracies because the definition of a conspiracy is two people talking about something, you know? So, but these, these pharmaceutical companies are criminals and Peter Rost, who is a former Pfizer marketing vice president, 
said so. He said, it's scary how many similarities there are between this industry and the mob. Obscene amounts of money, killings and deaths, bribing politicians and others. <clears throat> Harry Lloyd, who was a Park Davis uh, pharmaceutical CEO, he said, if we put horse manure in a capsule, we could sell it to 95% of these doctors. So that's their attitude. And we've given them so much with yep. our, um, you know, with our medical um, support programs that they they can't afford to to do anything. Naomi Wolf is a brilliant, courageous person who was uh, more or less on the left side of the aisle, and she has red pilled, and she sees the whole thing, and she's uh, battling the evil with the rest of us. I mean, she's a remarkable individual. Well, I think that's what a lot of. Yeah, I think we see a lot of that, though. I think what ends up happening is, as as you said, when we were you know, prior to jumping on the show, getting red pilled. Um, you know, we all live our lives until we start getting to the point. Anyone that has any type of of analytical thinking that can take a step back and and really look at things and, instead of having. And I see more and more that people are tied into their political views or their beliefs based upon them being part of the team. Right? It's it's this idea of the same thing with like football. Right? I, I have my team, and I'm always loyal to my team, but. The thing is, if the team isn't playing fair and isn't doing the right thing, can you objectively take a step back and recognize that what's being peddled on us is nothing more than lies? And and this the corruption, it's amazing because we saw the corruption with the tobacco companies, and, and that was acceptable. And people understood that and they wanted to fight against it. But they don't want to believe that the pharmaceutical companies, which have, have arguably – done some of the, the, the biggest atrocities uh, in, in our, I mean, look, look at Merck. Yeah, they're in second Merck is place a perfect here. example. Yeah, well, look, Merck, Merck, they're the ones that created the Cyclone B. They're the ones that created the gas that killed the Jews. And yet, I thought it was, I thought it was Bear. <laughs> you know, but it's a, your point well, maybe it was already bear. taken. It but, was Bear. Bear is still, is one of the consortium of German pharmaceutical companies who created the gas that was used to kill the Jews. And they're still yeah. they're still in, in operation, and I, I don't think they make any of that stuff anymore. But they do things that are probably just as bad. Well, Bear just got caught. I think it was maybe maybe ten years ago, maybe it was a little less. Uh, they got caught sending shipping, and this is not a joke, sending HIV tainted aspirin to Africa and to certain certain third world countries. How is that even possible? How is it? Uh, how is that acceptable? You know, there was many years ago. And, and this is this just correlates to what goes on in the pharmaceutical industry. But Wells Fargo got caught laundering, shipping, using their airplanes to take hundreds of millions of dollars of Mexican drug cartel cash from from the United States and taking it into Mexico. Well, they ended up getting caught and paying a four or five million dollar fine. Again, going back to what Naomi Wolf looked at, they look at it and they say, well, I'm not it doesn't really matter. The amount of money that I'm going to make is so much more, so much greater on it that I can take the loss. I can take that four or five million dollar slap on the hand. But the American people are the ones that keep getting lied to or lied to in this idea and understanding that the drugs we're taking are good for us and they're not there's 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 a systematic breakdown to the human body that starts to hap happen this is why people are on multiple medications right my, my, my grandfather was on blood thinners he was on uh, coumadin and then the coumadin he had it was like nine different pills he had to take it's domino effect okay we're both deep into this material and i think your listeners would benefit from just a little more setup and background uh that i could describe uh you know in just a about three minutes so so we've sure, got please. this thing called the FDA, and you alluded to the fact that the the management of our food is about as corrupt as the management of the drugs. And in fact, just as a side note, um, it seems as if the 
saturated fats, which is, have been run down for decades, were run down at the behest of food companies that produce, uh, uh, you know, vegetable uh, products and vegetable oils. Uh, and the most healthy uh, diet now is regarded as the, uh, you know, the carnitarian or the meat or the saturated fat diet. But anyway, so this um, this FDA, half of its budget is paid directly by Big Pharma in the form of user fees. So this has been the case since around 2003 when they passed a law that allowed this to happen. And there were a lot of people said it was a horrible idea. And in fact, the FDA is now a branch of the pharma marketing department, right? That's how you have to regard it. And they're tiny. They're a $5 billion budget. And the, uh, the, the pharmaceutical companies are, they're 1.3 trillion worldwide. So the FDA is supposed to stand between them and all kinds of bad behavior, but it's basically been bought. So they work together, the FDA and the pharma work together to fake the drug patent studies. They use statistical manipulation, they corrupt research subcontractors, and these are people in other countries. The The research is only 25% done in the United States now because it's so easy to corrupt the ones in other countries. And I mean, my fantasy is that some of these uh, research subcontractors are a kid in a basement in Pakistan with a baseball cap on his head faking the drug. Now, I, I use that as an uh, exaggeration just to make the point. But they, uh, uh, Peter Gercha, who's a Cochrane Review founder, he said the pervasive scientific misconduct has led to a research literature where one has to dig deeply to find the few gems in all the garbage. And last year, we had a British Medical Journal editorial title that said, time to assume that health research is fraudulent until proven otherwise. So we can't trust the medical literature. We can't trust the mainstream media. You know, it, it really takes a keen nose for BS to understand what's going on. And you have to also understand that the medical journals are total prostitutes. Their editors are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars directly each year by the medical industry, and they have corporate ghostwriters fabricating over half of the drug studies and even some textbooks. So, and the, the authors, the quote authors, are often just shills who are paid huge fees just for the use of their names. So these are bribes, and in business, government, or law, these could result in firing or criminal prosecution, but it's accepted practice in healthcare, and these payoffs are simply disclosed as, quote, conflicts of interest. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's just a, medicine is a complete mess. Our, our information sources are adulterated. Why do you think then that, why do you think then that, that I guess it's a two part question. One, what, what is it about the medical community doctors that are struggling to, to be honest? And when they recognize this, they see it, you're not the only one, right? I mean, we, we will get into the list of other doctors when it comes to the COVID aspect, but why one, why is, why are doctors struggling to be honest and be real? And then, you know, my second, my follow-up question to that is what is it that needs to be done and to, in order to show to the American people or to the world of the, the, the stuff that's being peddled on them that are lies, it's, it's psychological warfare. Okay, so the doctors are now only a small part of the medical industry, and they, they have a job that is completely consuming. And it was made much, much worse by the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, whatever you call it, when they mandated medical record keeping on computers. 
And this thing is taken, it's literally stolen 40% of the average doctor's time. These guys, on top of everything else, they have to go home and screw around with their clicking on computers in order to get paid. I mean, it's 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 hard to imagine that it's that bad, but it is. And you can find that reference anywhere. Uh, they, it's just burned our time uh, completely. And so now doctors, you have to understand that doctors are the most elite, large, intellectually elite, large group in America. There's a million of us. And our average IQ is 130, which is very high. And so we got some brilliant, brilliant campers. But the system has been designed purposefully by medical industry to corral these doctors and get these people to uh, cooperate with the agenda, which is uh, to make all that money. And in America, healthcare is twice as expensive per capita as any other country. It's it's unbelievable. It costs us $4 trillion, roughly $4 trillion a year, and that's 20% of our GDP. In other countries, it costs about 10%. Okay, and Singapore, which has great health care, gets by for five, 4.5% of their GDP. So it, it's, it's phenomenally expensive. The pressures on the doctors are unbelievable. And ever since Obamacare went through, very few independent doctors were able to maintain independent practices, right? They, they all got into these huge groups, and they're paid by the, the man, so to speak. And when, where, wherefore goes your, your money, there goes your your um, your medical practice and standards were made up by doctors in the pay of industry and if doctors violate these standards they can lose their license they can get sanctioned they can lose their jobs if they're working for a health maintenance organization or another big group so for example you know there are certain ideas that a certain number of your patients should be on statin drugs which are the cholesterol drugs well these things are the, the the, the real analysis of these is that they're tremendously toxic and they're rarely indicated and that cholesterol is not a good indication of heart attacks. Uh, it's a, they, these drugs were approved based on just the ability to lower cholesterol. But the, the, the link that they had an effect on heart attacks and deaths, it, it just is it's very thin. And it there are a few indications for these things, including if you've had a heart attack, you get a small, small benefit from taking them. Um, but uh, the rest of the rest of the people that are on them basically are risking uh, a moderate chance of side effects and problems in exchange for no benefit. So, so anyway, we're we're kind of captives of the uh, of the vast amount of money that's being rolled around. And the, I think it was Sinclair Lewis said that it's hard to uh, convince a man that something is wrong if it benefits his pocketbook. That's a bad paraphrase, but it's, it's true. And influence yeah. uh, is, you know, financial influence is overwhelming for the doctors. I just can't understand. I mean, I can't understand. Actually, I completely understand. I get it. It makes a lot of sense to me. They're beholden to the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies, right? Because they're all, they're both in bed with each other anyway. And we go back to that idea of cholesterol and I could be completely, I might not be, you know, completely dialed in, but I, is, am I wrong to say that the brain is 80 plus percent fat? You've, you've read about this too. So yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to pin down the mechanisms. I'm not a mechanism guy, right? Yeah. I understand clinical studies and the clinical studies don't support statin use to lower cholesterol Correct. to improve mortality, right? No, it, it actually it, does it, the opposite. Statin use does decrease. It does decrease the 
um, cholesterol. But the, the second part of the link is not established clearly. Well, and the question is, is that, you know, do we really need to be reducing cholesterol, especially if the brain is made up of a, of a larger portion of it? And go, to go back to your your point of, of higher fatty food diets, this is when we see people. And again, we are now seeing the trend of the ketogenic diets we're seeing. And I do think that some of them can be can be you know negligent to the human body. I don't think you should be eating tons and tons of bacon, but every second of the day, right, because they're also higher in nitrate. So but, but we should be having. The higher fatty foods, especially good saturated fats, because there are good animal saturated fats. fats. Animal, animal fats, correct. fats are the safest. Correct. What that does to the body, e- even from even from the understanding of the lubrication of the joints, right? These are things that are really important from cognitive function, from you know your your sight. All these things people don't understand. They push away from it. This is why we see more and more people that are vegetarians and vegans. They're actually suffering from more ailments than individuals that are that are having still healthy diets, but they should be incorporating the animal fat. That's what we are. And if the brain yeah. it needs these things to be able to pr- pr- uh, excuse me function properly, us taking that away, I again call me conspiracy theorist, but I believe that there's a reason for it. When we pull fats out, we see the the proliferation of Alzheimer's, um, of dementia, uh, and we're also seeing people that are having systematic breakdowns of their bodies needing these drugs, being told that these drugs are the way to go about doing it. Your cholesterol's high, you need to take this drug, right? But the only thing that's happening is now they're being beholden to the pharmaceutical companies. And what we see is these drugs are now causing, as I said before, like a domino effect. You know, you take one drug, but then that's causing complications in other areas of you from the physicality standpoint. So I have to take another drug and then another drug. So it's just, it's a building block rather than us taking. And again, I'm not saying that there isn't medicine that's, that's helpful. But we just need to take a step back and really take the time to invest in understanding and reading about these things um, rather than just taking them because the doctor said to take them. I, I mean, if, again, I use the example of, of aspirin or Tylenol. If I have a headache and I use one of these drugs, yes, it's all it's doing is it's it's masking. It's taking care of the symptom, but it's not taking care of the problem. Meaning, where did the headache stem from? What was the purpose? Why did the headache happen in the first place? The, the the aspirin, all that's doing is covering up the actual symptom of the headache, if that makes sense. Well, the, the worst example or the, the most pitiful example of overuse of medications is uh, in the Los Angeles nursing home, where you can frequently find people on 20, two, zero medications, 20 medications. So these people are often demented. They're on these psych medications that basically drug them into submission, and they they're like the freaking farm, uh, like a pharmaceutical farm. And they're, they're not, you know, it's, it's a horrible thing. And I, I didn't learn that until two years ago, that 20 was a, it was a common, uh, common number of Medicaid and they can't do anything about it. You know, they're demented. They take whatever is put in front of them. When we kind of touched on this in the pre-talk, it's, it's, again, we, and we might as well talk about it now. One of talking about you know, what I believe is one of the, the biggest epidemics in our country is psychiatric drugs and what they do to the human brain um, and how they, as, as I've said, and I've had a lot of people want to argue with me on this, and I tell them to, to read up on it. We have conversations about gun rights, and people will say to me, well, you know, we need to have harsher gun laws. And I said, why aren't we having harsher pharmaceutical drug laws? Why aren't we having those conversations to look at every single individual that has ever committed a mass mass you know shooting um they, every single one of them have been on some type of antipsychotropic drug so the question you know sh- we should be asking is are those drugs are they beneficial and and if and what are they doing what are the massive side effects i mean if you look at something like prozac inside the insert just like again with these with these uh you know flu vaccinations 
people don't read the inserts. They're not seeing what potential uh, you know ramifications could be. What 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 you know? For example, with the with something on the lines of Prozac, it says in the insert may have may cause suicidal thoughts or tendencies. But it should be doing the complete opposite of it. And and again, this is these drugs are being peddled on us as ways for us to become better. But what they're doing is they're allowing us to be put in a position to be to be subservient to pharmaceutical companies or needing them to be able to be able to live and function a normal life, if that makes sense. Yeah, the this I view psychiatry as the most corrupt medical specialty. And the reason is they they've they're using medications which have never been for the most part, subjected to sugar pill studies, controlled, randomized controlled studies. And I suppose the psychiatrists would use the excuse that since everybody's already on the drugs, I mean, we've got 20% of the country on psych drugs, that it's hard to find anyone to use in the control group that was willing to take the drug. But the whole, there are a large number of observers, and this includes people besides the Scientologists. I'm not a Scientologist, and but the Scientologists somehow figured out how bad psychiatry was 30 years ago, and they've been after him ever since. And Robert Whitaker wrote a book uh, describing the problems with the psychiatry science with these drugs. But in a nutshell, these things are tremendously addictive and toxic, and they they don't have opioid-type addiction qualities, right? And when you withdraw from uh, Demerol or something like that, you get sweats and you get diarrhea and you, you get various problems that make you feel terrible for a couple of days. They're not, it's not like that. But what, what you get is you get debilitating anxiety and uh, uh, depression, uh, which yep. mimics the original symptoms for which you were supposedly treated. And what's happened is they've got this uh, thing called the DSM, which is a book that supposedly describes psychiatric illnesses and uh, the treatment. And it's been described as a billing Bible because you use the codes in there to uh, for a psychiatrist to make the money from the insurance companies. But the, the book was entirely fabricated by uh, doctors in the pay of industry. And it basically um, tells you to use heavy drugs on every possible insanity of a, of a fabricated diagnosis. For example, they have a diagnosis called oppositional defiant disorder, which is actually the diagnosis is you're a five-year-old boy. That's, that's the, that's what it really means. <laughs> oppositional <laughs> defiant disorder. Can you imagine? And you're supposed to treat it with amphetamines or something, you know, who knows, but these, the drug use increased in America in tandem with the disability problems and the, um, uh, you know, the people on the various welfare systems. Right. And the keenest observers thought they were, this thing was causal. In other words, we, we use more drugs and these people got more and more dysfunctional. And the majority of the psychiatric problems, in fact, all of all psychiatric problems were thought to wax and wane, get better and worse. But the drugs make them chronic. And we now have pharmaceuticals we inject once a month in unwilling uh, patients, uh, you know, in institutions that, you know, it sedates them and keeps them docile, but um, it cuts their chances of ever recovering to virtually zero. So, I mean, the whole thing is, is a mess, and the psychiatrists have no substantial science backing them, and their uh, their, their drugs are just, they're just an atrocity. And, well, uh, the, the DSM keeps pro- being, it's building Prozac, up. Uh, that's sorry, right. go ahead, I'm sorry. It's, it changes by a vote 
Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. It changes by a vote of the American Psychiatric Society or whatever it is every few years. And they just vote on whatever they think, whatever, whatever they think is politically correct and reasonable and whatever. And they probably has have uh, new entries in the whole thing about transgenderism and all this other yep. crazy stuff. It's a, it's a it's a it's a sad story. And psychiatrists, the only way they can make money is to see somebody every 15 minutes. They give them a little questionnaire and they commit people to taking these drugs, these tremendously addictive drugs for decades, if not the rest of their life. The SSRI drugs with the Prozac style drugs create consequential numbers of suicides and violence. And that's what you're yes. referring to, Joshua. The, the keen observers think that our mass shootings and so on are closely related to um uh you know use of these medications uh but uh you know everybody's on the medication so it's hard to establish causality there too but it seems pretty obvious to me that it's related the other category of psych drugs there's four basic psych drug categories is uh called the uh, atypical antipsychotics and those shorten life by 10 to 15 to 20 years I mean, it's incredible. They pass them out like jelly beans now. The amphetamines are shrink brains in an animal studies, and they've got all these little kids on amphetamines. And it does calm them down in, in many cases, but we're suppressing natural uh, young male, particularly male behavior. Uh, so, doctor, the, I'm, I just want to cut you off real quickly. When you yeah. say amphetamines for the audience, I, I'd love for you to actually let's let's talk specific about what those drugs are. I know what you're saying, but I would love for them to hear what 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 we what you mean. The amphetamine relatives like Ritalin, you know, yep. and those those drugs are now being used for this fabricated diagnosis of ADHD. Yep. And if you read Butchered by Healthcare, you can see that the the people who started this whole thing are horrified at where it's gone. And what what's happened is it's it's become a completely indiscriminate uh, prescribing of all these medications. And, the, you know, I, I'm sure that there are indications for these things, but they're limited. And, uh, you know, to give them to everybody that walks in the door uh, is is it really is an outrage. Yeah. I mean, look, when I was a kid that my my you know, I, I came from a broken home. My father left when I was young. My mother was a single mom working multiple jobs, doing everything she possibly could to try to raise myself and my brother. And yeah, I was a pain in the ass. Like like I feel like a lot of young boys, we act out. I was extremely bored in school. And that was a big thing they were trying to shove down my throat was, you know, I was I'm 43. So you know, when I hit elementary school or middle school, excuse me, and I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, uh, you know, I'm going through puberty. I got all sorts of stuff going on. I'm excited. I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's middle school. The, we're constantly trying to push, you know, Ritalin at that time. And, and a lot of my friends were on it. And I, you know, I love my mother, thank God, because she did not believe in pushing that, those types of drugs on me. And I, I have to tell you that I watched people that I knew in school and they were walking around like zombies. It, it almost completely pulls you out of understanding any bit of life. And the question we should be asking is what's being taught, what's being taught in school? How are teachers teaching? Cause I believe that most kids are acting out one because they're kids and they act out. That's a part of life. And then two, I think the educational system is completely broken. We're not educating kids in a way everyone learns differently and said, we just want to do the same cookie cutter route team, uh, the same generalized teachings to every single kid. So everyone learns a little differently. A lot of these drugs are prescribed at the behest of the teachers who don't want yeah. hassles. And so they report them to the 
the parents and then they they sometimes get the doctors involved and there are even some cases where they take kids away if the parents don't agree to medicate their damn kids i mean well and this is all tied to the job. teachers union it's the teachers yeah. union they're they're the ones that are put they're peddling it as well because they get paid by the pharmaceutical companies as well well i didn't know that there was a connection there <laughs> that yeah. doesn't sound so good <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, well, they, you know, they're, they get back, they have fundraising events and these people, they want to be involved in it as well. So they believe this idea of keeping, you know, 15 students in a classroom completely drugged and acting like zombies. And what do they do? They just, they take the information, they regurgitate the information. They want to stop people, kids, right? If they go after the youth and they stop them from having any ability to think for themselves, then they could be good little, you know, little serfs. And that's, I do believe the direction that we're going in our society. You, you brought up the transgender movement, the same thing. It's, like, you know, the things that are being taught in school are not that that is even remotely applicable in real life. You know, this idea of, again, participation trophies, all these things that we're doing, we're just we're destroying any facet of, of individuals growing and understanding who they are. We just want to blindside people and keep them in this catatonic state. Well, you could you could certainly say that this woke movement is a religion and it's got various, uh, you know, there are various religious icons that are associated with it. Um you know, the atheism is a kind of religion, uh, which is universal in Silicon Valley. And yeah. they, they, the, all these woke ideas, these completely irrational ideas, uh, such as the transgender thing, um, they're, they're, they're ubiquitous. And there seems to be a little haze of Buddhism or something over top of it all. But it's, it's clearly religion. And their idea that the apocalypse is coming in the, in the form of raising sea levels is a religious archetype that dates from, you know, who knows when the biblical Noah's yep. Ark thing, you know? And so it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, Christianity and our regular religions are pretty irrational too, if you scratch beneath the surface, in my opinion, but these people seem even crazier to me. Well, so. This whole idea, I mean, their their big movement is this trans transhumanism movement, right? This idea of of merging man with machine, um, and and this I believe kind of parlays with some of the the beliefs of again reducing the world's population, us making sure that we can be controlled and tracked and traced, and and I believe part of of uh, and I guess we can kind of start to, to to move into that, but part of what the COVID vaccination was and and this whole COVID pandemic is almost a beta test to see how how. How are, how are, how is the public going to react to it? I mean, we now have, you know, we have passports utilizing QR codes. It's tracking, it's tracing. We're already being traced through iPhones, uh, through our phones on a daily basis, right? iPhone, Apple watches, all these things. They're, they're tracking and tracing every bit of our movement. They're pulling as much data as they possibly can through social media, through our daily lives. Uh, and this is a way of, uh, of them truly being able to mentally control us, physically control us and utilizing those limitations to, to, to direct us in the way they want. Well, there's no, no doubt in my mind that the pandemic was planned, that there are actors behind it. Um, and it, the, the strangest part of the whole thing are these German characters at the World Economic Forum who sound like they're out right out of uh, Dr. Strangelove, who yep. describe what their, what their freaking plans are. And it's all kind of absolutely crazy. And I, I don't think that they're ultimately going to get everything they want, but they've got links with all these crooked corporations and all these other idiots uh worldwide that's make it make it uh, uh sound as if they are they're going to get part of it now the one thing i don't worry too much about is the merging of man with machine that's absurd and that we we haven't been able to increase our 
uh, ultimate lifespans yet, even with all the medical science we have, uh, you know, in any consequential way. And in fact, our lifespans have dropped in the last two years in the United States due to all these insane uh, shut-ins and every other thing. That's, 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 I just read an article, and they were talking about the that the isolation and lockdowns have caused more more deaths and more suicide and depression than anything we've ever seen. Uh, not to mention, again, we talk about why why was this planned? I mean, we see small businesses have eroded. Larger corporations made more money during the pandemic than anyone else. They were deemed essential businesses. Um, you know, and, and to go back to your the crazy, you know, Doctor Strange love uh, German like like Klaus Schwab. I mean, he wrote a book specifically discussing the fourth industrial revolution. This is everything he talks about in his book. And this is why he started talking about the great reset. And he's, you know, again, all these different, these different groups, whether it's the world economic forum, uh, the who, uh, you know, you have, you have these, these different parties at the, the trilateral commission that have come together to have these conversations about really coercing being using coercion to manipulate people so they could govern an entire body almost as a as a one world government and again sounds very crazy to talk about it but what i would tell people is take a step back and look at things for the way they are um, and and you're you're 100% right well there's the two for those of you who haven't who have been watching cnn and mainstream media and think there's some truth in anything that's said or perhaps suspect that they could learn something about medicine from the current scientific literature. I want to give you a couple of references that if you want to learn about what we're saying and um, perhaps think that we're not completely crazy, I want you to look at, this one is the easiest and most approachable. This is The Real Anthony Fauci by RFK Jr. And this book is available for $3 on Kindle, as are mine. So it doesn't have to be expensive to look at this thing. This is a history of what's going on right now, and it's not just about Fauci. The other book, which I don't have here, um, is uh, by Peter Bregan, B-R-E-G-G-I-N, and his wife, Ginger. And that book is called uh, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. And he coined that name, Global Predators, and he started researching this thing at the beginning of the pandemic uh, two years ago. And somehow he... He got into the uh, sources that showed how these all these crazy ideas traced to a few dozen people and how uh, the World Economic Forum had mentored um, all these Fruit Loops like Trudeau and Marcon and Tony Blair and even Putin to some extent, although I'm not sure Putin uh, drank the Kool-Aid uh, based on his actions these days. Uh, but um, I mean, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a horrible story. I recommend your listeners get into these books, or <clears throat> if you don't have time to read a book, these guys both have podcasts, right? At Bregan.com, B-R-E-G-G-I-N.com, you can la- listen to the last couple dozen of those at double speed, and you'll be you'll be red pilled on that. Or RFK Jr. I mean, he seems like the most significant leader we have. And he uh, he's available at Children's Health Defense, and you can you can get into uh, uh, his podcasts, which are only a half an hour long. He's got a voice problem called spastic dysphonia, so he's a he's a little hard to listen to, but I find it easier to understand at one and a half to two times speed. So, and he interviews the A-listers. I mean, it's a very impressive bunch of people he has on there, and all over the world are honest scientists and honest people fighting against this uh, 
you know, these ideas, which Klaus Schwab uh, basically characterized, I mean, he, he lays it all out and it sounds like a, a world government with it's completely tyrannical and uh, with currency control with a uh, digitalized currency and QR codes identifying everything you do. I mean, this thing that we're seeing in Shanghai now is yep. a vision of what um, the, the, the end game is. Uh, basically, they locked down the whole city for no reason at all. They have uh, Omicron, which is almost harmless, and yep. uh, they've got a lot of cases, but it means nothing. And it sounds as if they're trying to frighten United States citizens into uh, voting the the uh, crazies back in again. So I, well, I don't think that's going to happen. And I think it's fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. I don't think any any anybody in America uh, believes much of anything that comes out of China. But maybe that's just me, Joshua. I, 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 no, I mean, you're, you are right. And and here's the thing. Again, you know, China, uh, it's, a, it's a dictatorship. It's a, it's a communist country. And I think that they, they did it in Australia as well. We see Australia bucking back big time. Uh, but I believe, again, these are beta tests. And and the but the one thing that America has that these other countries don't have, that this is also why there, there's a massive uh, attack on the Second Amendment. Because if they can take away our guns, then they can take away our lives, and they know that. See, the the thing that allows every other they're the only the Second Amendment is what is what protects every single one of the other amendments, and people don't recognize that and understand the importance of that value. Well, I would contend that uh, if the military gets involved, that uh, you know the batches of us having uh, Glock twenty uh, sixes in our pocket wouldn't make much difference. And I think the most important amendment, obviously, is the First Amendment uh, that is getting adulterated now. But uh, yeah. with the, uh, the the tech companies, these guys are, are evil. It's it's hard to believe what they, they've done. But there are positive trends there, too. I mean, if Musk buys Twitter and turns that around, uh, he's and he hates censorship. We've yeah. got our Joe Rogan, uh, who is uh, interviewing people very courageously and uh, they can't shut him down because his reach is more than the combination of all the other networks. I mean, I don't yeah. know how many million people ever, watch every show. I, I find him a little slow. I have to listen to him at twice speed. Uh, but um, the the key the key uh, 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 listens for him. I mean, even this Bill Maher came out and he's gotten red pilled somehow, and he's still a little to the left, but. God bless him. He's coming out with sensible ideas about censorship. And that that, that one just dropped uh, three days ago. But the ones before that, um, we have Epstein, who talks about Google and how Google is, you know, they're very left and they're they're very uh, controlling. And the, the most powerful company in the world, they can change the search results to the point where they can easily influence elections by 10 percent. And yeah. then the, the, uh, the two seminal in interviews were. Uh, Peter McCullough and uh, uh, Robert Malone, and those were earlier on. But um, if your listeners want podcasts, they can run all those at two times speed and quickly get up to uh, understanding of what's going on. Yeah, I, I don't know why there's you know there's such a demonization of the, you know these different doctors out there. Um, you know, and I, I would say that there and there's a list of doctors that have done some incredible good. You know, whether it's Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Peter McCullough, um, you know, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, Dr. Sherry Tenepe. Like, there's a lot of people out there that I, I don't think that. 
we continue to demonize them because they have a different belief than the the common narrative. Um, and, and if you watch things like CNN and MSNBC and Fox News, they're all tied in. If you look at who's paying for their their advertisements, the majority of these people have the, the ones that have the biggest money are the pharmaceutical companies. They're spending the money on it. Um, and, and to your point. I do want to touch, but I just want to jump back real quickly because you were talking about that, that young group. It's, it's called the Young Global Leaders, and it's, it's directly connected to the World Health Organization, to the WHO, and which, which Klaus Schwab is, is heading. He's, or the World Economic Forum, excuse me, and he's heavily involved in that. So, you know, we have young leaders that are being built up, that are being indoctrinated, that are being put into positions of power. They are, Votes are, as as we saw in the last election, votes mean virtually nothing because, like you said, Google can manipulate data. Facebook has is now being, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is, is under investigation for manipulating data on Facebook. All these individuals are showing that they're trying to push a narrative. And the question I keep asking people is why? Why are they demonizing all these doctors that are coming out and calling them quacks and, you know, asking for people's license to be pulled? When what they're doing is they're speaking out the same way the 1100 architects came out about 9-11 when Building 7 fell. Nobody even knew what the hell Building 7 was. And they're coming out and saying it's impossible for Building 7 to fall. It was never hit by an airplane and it directly imploded in itself. It's it, it, it defies physics. It doesn't make any sense. And they're all demonized. So I'm curious for you. Because now that you've been red pilled, and I'm hoping that other individuals that listen to this, I don't want them to take either one of our word either. I want them to do research. I'd love for people to try to prove us wrong. When when you got red pilled, what can we do to continue to red pill other people the same way you got red pilled? Well, what convinced me was uh, listening to Peter McCullough, and you can find him on that Rogan interview. You can fast forward through the ads, and it's a and you can listen at double speed. He's also available at many other uh, spots, but that might not do it for you. I mean, you just have got to study this stuff, and and I think you'll be more. Um, you, let's let's Joshua, let's back up for one second. Sure. And remind you're probably aware that both Pfizer and Moderna are majority owned by BlackRock, and so and, and, between and Bill Gates BlackRock, heavily invested into it. Between BlackRock and Vanguard, it's twenty five trillion dollars worth of assets. So um, what's happened in our world is that things have become amalgamated and a few people at the top are, uh, you know, with some crazy ideas are running the show. And there's a guy uh, named Fink. It's a great name for a Fink, a rat Fink. There's a guy named Fink at the head of, I think it's Larry Fink. I'm not 100% sure of his first name at the head of BlackRock that is absolutely woke and absolutely crazy. And I, I don't know how people like that get in positions of power, but I guess the sociopathy rises to the top. But uh, the reason why we're seeing all these news organizations are owned by um, huge financial conglomerates, too. And I, I don't specifically know whether BlackRock and Vanguard own the news, but I suspect they do. And BlackRock and Vanguard each own each other, right? The large percentages. And so that makes them a monolithic uh, financial um, so it's a little hard to believe that all the lines are the same, but we have videos of exactly the same phrases being uh, pushed on us from these different traditional news sources. I think uh, if you want, we can now venture into the vaccine and, and uh, the, the, uh, the rest of the COVID narrative about uh, withheld therapies. I'd love to. I'd love to. And I just want to touch on that too, to let everyone know that, you know, Bill Gates and Bill Gates, 
has invested the majority of his money after after leaving Microsoft in 2006 um, in the pharmaceutical companies. He's invested, I think it was, you know, $157 million uh, into GlaxoSmithKline, another $390 million into, uh, into, you know, Moderna. He has spent a tremendous amount of money in the biotech and big pharma intentionally. And then what he does is everything's being, again, all these tests and trials are being done under this philanthropist, uh, the, the Melinda Bill Gates Foundation um, overseas in other countries where, you know, he's actually looking at, um, at crimes of humanity for what he's done with the malaria drugs and what he's done with other nanotech and, and pharmaceuticals. So I'd, I'd love to definitely transition into this because he's also a big proponent and advocate of, of vaccinations. He did a Ted talk in 2016, where he says that if we work very hard, we can reduce the world's population through vaccination. And I don't understand how you reduce a world's population through vaccination, unless you're sterilizing people. Um, and that's that's a big question that I've I've asked people and they can't they can't respond. They don't know what to say because they can't believe that he would have said something like that. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was initially named the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for Population Control. And Gates and his father are very much into uh, these ideas about the population bomb, which was a book by Paul Ehrlich that was yeah. uh, before your time, Joshua. But I was it scared the hell out of me in high school. And it basically said we were going to eat our way out of uh, the world's uh, resources. And there are a lot of people that still believe this. But what's actually happened is we've been able to support all these people and the starvation rates have gone down. Africa has many fewer uh, people who are in in trouble, um, you know, with their basic uh, needs. And uh, that, of course, has gone up uh, in the last two years when we withdrew all our support from Africa. But... um, but anyway, if you want to get into the uh, problems that your listeners may have heard of with the COVID narrative and the vaccine narrative, I can I can sort of supply some. Uh, I hate to say science, but I can I can supply some uh, truths about that. I'd love to. I'd love to have you discuss the the. The, the actual COVID-19, as well as the vaccination, some of the variants. I'd love to get your take on it. Um, I'd love to you know have you maybe break down some of the stuff that uh, Dr. Peter McCullough has, has said and why you, of all people, uh, being in the medical field uh, for so long, why you are entrusting the, the faith and belief of what Dr. Peter McCullough is saying, why someone like him has really changed your entire uh, perception. As you know, a retired physician, I understand people like McCullough very clearly, and his lecture was completely credible to me, and his transparency and his honesty shines through everything he says. And uh, Malone, Malone may even be a smarter guy than McCullough. Malone is an amazing character, has a a tremendous uh, ability to put things in simple terms. And, And I mean, these guys are freaking polymath geniuses. They're really something. And so I'd advise your listeners to have a listen to that. But I'm I listen to their lectures, and you can find them on Rogan or many other platforms. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just going to go through the uh, inf- information that makes it obvious that there is a huge conspiracy to suppress therapies and to promote a an injurious uh, vaccination product. Please. And so, you know, we've had your listeners, I'm sure, have heard of all these news reports about ivermectin being a horse medication. 
right? And yeah. so this is part of pharma's strategy to put up a wall of propaganda to further their uh, narrative, which is uh, buy the vaccine, sell the vaccine, use the vaccine, right? But ivermectin, we have we have several hundred studies, and it is the best drug against these viral illnesses like COVID that we've ever had. And we it's this is well known for a decade before the whole COVID uh, infestation or whatever it is. And in the first few months, there were studies of the of the pandemic or pandemic. There were studies that showed that it it freaking killed the virus worked very well. The the, um, the falsity of the medical literature is demonstrated by a recent, I mean, I'm just talking two or three months ago, there was a article in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is formerly the most respected uh, medical journal in the world, that claimed that ivermectin didn't work. Well, I mean, a, a school ch- kid could look at that study and realize what was the problem with it. They only used the stuff for th- the first three days. I mean, it, it it was it was an underdosing thing, which is those of us who studied pharmaceutical companies' lies uh, recognize that as a standard operating procedure. Likewise, there's another drug called hydroxychloroquine, uh, which has very avid antiviral and anti-COVID activity. And in Africa, there are places where you have to take this drug once a week for your whole life or you get malaria. And they, they call it the yellow pill or something like that. Uh, but the COVID problems in those countries in Africa, uh, they virtually dropped to zero. We also have another uh, comparison in India where they had a, a state in India that with about 250 million people, about the same size as the United States, where they passed out ivermectin and zinc. And these people didn't have any COVID problems either. And the state right next door had a lot of fatalities and problems. So, but there's a lot more data than that, which I'm going to outline for you. And which, again, as uh, Josh says, uh, don't believe a thing I say. Uh, you know, you can you can look at references on my platforms, and you know, go further into uh, into other references. So, so we have suppressed these medications. And the thing that really knocked me out of my seat was when I realized that 85% of the hospitalizations and deaths would have been prevented by the use of these non-toxic, inexpensive medications. And after I heard that and understood that, and McCullough said that, and it was it was backed up by references, you know, my thinking about this stuff, I, I realized this was the most important story that I'd ever seen in my lifetime, uh, because it, there was a huge conspiracy to suppress this. And it was it was the pharmaceutical companies using their standard propaganda wall of yep. uh, wall of lies techniques and even invention of diseases and creation of cures in tandem uh, that they've used on so many drugs that I documented in Butchered by Healthcare. So the, the therapies have been suppressed and even something as simple as zinc and vitamin D, which have very positive effects on your chance of getting COVID, um, that all is suppressed too. I mean, it's incredible. Um, Doctor, so, I want to just stop you real yeah. quickly because I do want to. I just want to interject on something else. For for those of you out there that don't know, you should look up something called Codex Alimentarius. So Codex Alimentarius was something that they were trying to pass here. It has been passed in Canada. And Codex Alimentarius, when the pharmaceutical companies started seeing people going to health food stores and places like GNC and Vitamin Shop and, and really wanting to take some type of a holistic, natural approach to things, they were getting very upset because the thing is the human body is pretty dynamic. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty 
interesting machine. And if you give it the proper nutrients, um, Dr. Dr. Uh, Dr. Womack talks about this, the 90 nutrients. If you give your body the proper nutrients, your body can, can for the most part, pretty much heal itself. Um, and, and this Codex Alimentarius was trying to be passed here to stop to stop us, you, me, anyone from being able to go out and get these vitamins and supplements. What they wanted is they wanted everything to be pushed through the pharmaceutical companies to then be prescribed by the doctors. So again, going back to understanding what what you know what Doctor what Doctor Yoho was saying, the 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 direction and understanding that we could have prevented a lot of this without having to 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 move and and be put in hospitals. I also want to ask you. I'm, I'm very curious, and, and then I want you to continue, but. Do you believe, because the more documents and the more information that I'm reading show that the, the majority of people that have passed away in hospitals ended up passing away from things like pneumonia, um, passing away from, uh, you know, their lungs, obviously filling up with, with, with fluid. I, I've been told, and again, I don't know how true this is, this is from the documents I've been reading, that the ventilators have actually caused more deaths than COVID itself did. <laughs> well, the hospital story is another horrible story, which... If if you could uh, let me finish developing this, sure. these basics, we could go into the hospital story. And I have on the RFK Jr. Uh, website, the uh, Children's Health Defense, uh, he has many podcasts with uh, uh, story. And then there's a uh, another physician, uh, Dr. V-L-I-E-T. Let me, let me get her group. And you can learn about the, the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance uh has information about those uh, horrible things that are happening in in the hospitals, and it's it's dystopian, Joshua. It's 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 another story that nobody's going to believe until they investigate it. But the hospitals are actually incentivized to do the wrong thing, and they use a drug called remdesivir, which has which is a failed drug that was used against Ebola, and it's got a fifty percent death rate. Uh, and even even when people were very sick with COVID, it knocked them off quicker. <laughs> and the they put I have on my podcast I have an interview with a fellow whose daughter was knocked off by the hospital. I mean, it's clear. I mean, it's it's murder. It's not even negligence. It's incredible. They stuck her on uh, a do not resuscitate order against his. Uh, uh, against his uh, wishes, and he was the, uh, or his wife was the conservator, and they gave her drugs that killed her. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible because there are hospital bonuses from the federal government now, amounting to about a hundred thousand dollars a patient, uh, if you know, part for diagnosing COVID. So you you swab everybody that comes in, whether they're yep. symptomatic or not. <clears throat> part for putting them on a ventilator, which is a terrible strategy for COVID, and part for uh, use of remdesivir, which, and the hospital gets the 20% of the drug costs because that's the way the, the kickbacks work for any doctor or hospital administrating a, a pharmaceutical drug. It's incredible, yep. very expensive stuff. And then there's a bonus for what they die. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's it's yeah. hard to believe, but you, you guys have to look at some other uh, references to be sure of what I'm saying. Let me just kind of finish this thing about the the vaccine. We haven't even gotten on, onto the vaccine yet. If you don't mind, maybe <laughs> that's the next thing. Sure. Yeah, please. I'd, I'd love to. And, and you're right. I mean, people are getting they're getting 40 to th- 35 to 40,000 dollars every time they put somebody on a on a on a ventilator in the hospitals. And, and- it, the average is supposedly around 100. And yep. the, the original rationale for this bonus and these set of bonuses was because they supposedly didn't have as many patients of other kinds in the hospital. So they needed to stay open. 
So, but, and those of you out there, you should look up the fact that uh, Anthony Fauci was heavily tied into Randesivir. And I can't remember the name of the British doctor that he worked with um, on these trials and on these studies. Uh, but it's the, it's the same thing that he was heavily involved. In. And, and again, I don't want to get too much into the, his connection with AZT and how that was actually killing all the individuals with, with AIDS, not not AIDS. AIDS did not kill uh, the majority of people. And, and yes, and uh, this doctors, is the best doctors, source yeah. is the real Anthony Fauci by RFK Jr. And that it's quite readable. The thing's been edited beautifully. And it's a little bit of a big book, but I recommend that heavily. And you get it for $3 on Kindle. So please continue. I apologize. No, no. Um, there's a lot of subjects here. Um, so the vaccine. Okay. So first of all, I want to state that none of the things that I talk about are controversial academically. They are controversial because of the various lies and the wall of propaganda put up by the big media companies, which are all amalgamated in this uh, huge financial network. And, you know, the moneymakers of the pharmaceutical companies are all part of the whole thing. So it's 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 just if your listeners haven't heard these stories before, they're going to think we're crazy. And if, if they're, if I'm hoping that we can get enough of them to look at, at some of the data that they'll, uh, you know, they'll understand it. I agree. My, my Substack, which is a uncensored platform, is Robert Yoho Substack.substack.com. Robert Yoho.substack.com. And I try to tell the story in simple terms and with references and so on and so forth. So you can listen to podcasts and, <clears throat> look at essays and uh, you can see my growing uh, disgust with the whole thing. I mean, right now I'm, I'm, I run on anger because it's a, uh, it's such an, it's such an awful story. Here's how we know how bad the vaccines are, right? There's two or three different lines of serious evidence. And it's my understanding that many more people have been killed by the vaccine than COVID itself. Now that's a big claim and I don't have any evidence of that, but look at, look at, look at these references and um, see what you think about how bad these vaccines are. They clearly are a net loss. So we have this database called the Vaccine Adverse uh, Response uh, System or something like that, V-A-E-R-S database. Uh, VAERS, yeah, that, VAERS database. That now shows about 27,000 U.S. deaths, right? It's, it's, it's still growing, and it's a informal reporting system that's been around 30 years. And this is far more reported deaths than all the vaccines in history, in the 30 years this thing has been around since that time. Um, and it's just happened in two years. So it's underreported. In other words, it's a voluntary reporting system. So the underreporting factors have been estimated to be as much as 100, uh, 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 100 times, right? But for deaths, it can't be that high. It's probably 5 to 10 to 20 times. So, you know, multiply 6,000 or whatever it is times five to 10 to 20, and that's how many deaths have occurred due to the vaccine. We also have a similar database in Europe that is shows quite similar figures, and we have a senator who has been working with military whistleblowers, uh, and these this data is, is complete, right? In other words, we have all the CPT codes or the diagnosis codes for the uh, people in the military over the last two years. And um, this, since the vaccine was rolled out, it's it's horrifying what's happened. The neurological disease has gone up by 20 times, 2,000%. The other diseases have had shown similar uh, uh, problems. And the CDC makes this ridiculous claim that no deaths have occurred. 
right? I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Pfizer has been forced by a court order to release Vax documents over a short period of time. They were originally trying to release the documents over 50 years or something like that. I mean, it's just transparently fraudulent. So we, we've had two groups of these documents out, and we've got these doctors who are finally understanding what's going on after, after they see this stuff. I mean, they're like Winnie the Pooh. Do you remember the old stories about Winnie the Pooh, how he had to go around the, story, or he had to go around the, the thing three times before he understood? Well, we yep. got this guy named John Campbell, who has millions of followers, who was a Vax proponent, and he finally figured it out after three times around the circle, right? He's outraged. He's going public. Um, and the most impressive thing to me is the population-wide increase in mortality. That means of 40%. For millennials, it's 84%. In other words, yeah. 40% more of us are dying every year than before. And this coincides precisely with the rollout of the vaccine. So, you know, you can say, well, maybe that's not causal. Maybe it was due to the lockdowns or some idiocy like that. But that sounds like a remotely unlikely possibility. The data comes from insurance company sources and uh, large sources in Germany. I mean, it's the, the data is robust. It involves millions of people. There's no question that we've had this massive mortality increase. The mortality increase during the first year of the pandemic, that was 2020, right? Um, yep. It was nominal. Didn't happen. That was before the vaccine was released. So, you know, we know we know a lot about the fatalities that are going on, and it's been suppressed by the mainstream media. I mean, this myocarditis thing, it's showing up more in athletes because they're more sensitive to uh, problems. I mean, they're using their cardiovascular system at a maximum rate. I mean, these kids are collapsing and dying on their, uh, on, on their playing fields. And, I mean, we have autopsy studies shortly after vaccine. I mean, a few dozen that show causation due to the vaccine. I mean, it's not any, there's no doubt at all this thing is, I call it the clot shot. So we also have COVID hospitalizations and fatalities that are higher in countries and people that have the highest vax rate. So this thing is actually perpetrating the pandemic. It is, a, it's a disaster. It's a va it's a pandemic of the vaccinated. We, we see a couple things, you know, so Dr. Peter McCullough, most recently, um, he was at the Optimist, which is a town hall in the Bahamas, which is the Optimist stands for offering preventative therapeutic interventional medicine, increasing safety and trust. And he specifically talks about the intracellular reverse transcription of the Pfizer bio, bio nanotech COVID-19 mRNA vaccination, the BNT162B2 in vitro in human live, uh, liver cell lines. And Dr. McCullough shows that he highlights how autopsies on vaccinated people have found fingerprints of the vaccine throughout the body, including the brain, the heart, bone marrow, re reproductive organs, and lymph nodes. This is a major issue. And, 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 you know, going back to your, I have, I have the VARES report in front of me. And that was something that I pulled up prior to our conversation. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And, and to, to, you know, Dr. Yoho's point, historically, VARES has only been showing a report of only 1% of the actual vaccine adverse events, meaning, only 1% actually gets gets reported to this. So w what is really, truly, it's much more systemic than what we want to discuss. And um, when we look at it, there have been over a million COVID vaccine injuries and close to 27,000 deaths have just been reported. So it's much larger than that. Um, and, and the thing that Dr. Peter McCullough talks about, as well as uh, Dr. Ryan Cole, you know, Dr. Ryan Cole is also an epidemiologist. Dr. Ryan Cole shows the proliferation of cancer now, especially in women. Um, you know, this is this is something that and, 
and all these things. If you look, go back and you look at a chart prior to prior to the vaccinations being implemented into the United States, that the death rate was was it was steady. It wasn't. In fact, it was on a decline. Once the vaccination was being introduced and people were taking the vaccination, we saw a massive uptick in the individuals that started to getting hospitalized. So when when I hear people have this conversation, I'm not vaccinated and I won't be vaccinated. And, and you know, that's something that's very controversial. Um, but when I see people getting vaccinated, that's by your choice. But but what I would say is be very careful and do your studies and read through this because people are getting especially healthy people, as doctor said, things like myocarditis, things like Guillain-Barre, blood clotting disorders, Bell's palsy. These are all things that are very real and we are seeing and it's it's being underreported intentionally to continue the narrative of how these things are safe and they're effective. If they were safe and effective, we wouldn't keep seeing you needing a third shot and a fourth shot and Pfizer now campaigning to have kids under the age of five to be vaccinated. When we know historically, natural immunity and children are less inclined to, to get to get sick and die from any type of a flu. If your listeners haven't heard these stories before, it's going to take you some amount of research to understand it. But I disagree, Joshua. I don't think that what I'm saying is controversial academically. <laughs> I think it's only controversial with the propaganda. Totally agree. And so why... You, do you know why they're pushing the vaccine on the little kids? I, the only thing because, I can think of, and I'd love to hear your take on it, why? Because if it's approved for kids, the manufacturer's liability is permanently removed, is permanently removed. Really? Do, do you know why the people who are entering the U.S. illegally are not offered the vaccine? Well, because they're going to vote for the Democrats. <laughs> no, because they are not U.S. citizens, so they're not covered by the lawsuit protection immunity, and they could sue the manufacturer. Oh, that's amazing. You know I did not know that. Remdesivir was approved. Remdesivir was approved because it didn't work. If it did work, it would make an experimental treatment like the Vax illegal. I mean, it's dystopian. I mean, yeah. it, this stuff's crazy. And I, I hope we're getting through to some people who were on the fence. But you, again, you have to study this stuff. And my Substack is is a good place to start if you're not if you're not entirely convinced that uh you know whatever goes on at cnn is the truth and i, well, it's, I, it's I just think there's hardly any source of information they're any good now we have now alternative sources and we discussed um the guy that's buying t twitter musk is trying to buy twitter and maybe that'll turn into the first uncensored platform it's incredibly powerful i just can't understand how in, you know the that in uh during the um the 1976 swine flu uh, we had vaccinations that were being implemented. There was 14,000 deaths from the vaccinations, and they shut it down. We have we have double that now, and, and just double that from the VAERS reporting, forgetting the actual reporting, the real reporting. And yet we're still, this this is being pushed around, and I've had conversations with people who are vaccinated, and I, I, I say to them over and over again, I said, so let's let's walk through this. I'm not vaccinated. I can catch COVID. I can give COVID and I could potentially die from it. Okay. You're vaccinated. You can catch COVID. You can give COVID. You can die from it, but you're vaccinated. There, there is no varying degree of difference. The only thing they tell you is that it could potentially reduce symptomology. But the fact of the matter is what we're seeing is the proliferation in hospitals of people that are being hospitalized are individuals that have been vaccinated. That's not the unvaccinated. The UK data. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's certainly seems what it seems to be doing this vaccination uh, schedule seems to be um selecting for new variants and so it seems as if if we don't allow natural immunity to kick in uh that the new variants will continue and it'll be one panic after the other you know and maybe the next one will be more dangerous there are some 
observers who think that those uh, other flu uh, uh, pandemics or whatever they were, were and uh, sort of a, a trial run for what's going on now. Uh, and I think reading this book by RFK Jr. is the way to go to learn more about that. I want to ask you, and I'm going to probably screw this up, so thank God I have you on the show to, to correct me, but what do you know about uh, hemorrhagic fever viruses? Not, not a thing. So uh, hemorrhagic fever viruses, I know, are, are something more in the lines of Ebola uh, and that, that kind of that family. Um, and, and I'm now seeing more and more talks of preparedness and preparation for these types of viruses coming into, into, into effect, coming into the United States. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, again, because Bill Gates has talked about it on, on multiple television shows of saying how over and over again, we need to prepare for the next pandemic. Well, they're already setting it up. It's it's no different. They were setting this up in 2016, 2017. They were holding summits of this exact kind of virus that transpired in 2019, 2020. This is exactly what they set up intentionally. And I can only, again, say that this being done and being implemented, one, is a beta test to see how people would respond to it, right? Rahm Emanuel said, who was the, the governor, or the, excuse me, the mayor of, of Chicago, said, you never let a good crisis go to waste. They have intentionally used this as a crisis. It's the Hegelian dialectic. It's problem, reaction, solution. They know what the problem is. They, they cause the problem. They know the reaction of the people, and therefore they offer the solution. And the solution is the COVID vaccination, along with being able to control us by tracking us through passports. Yeah, that's the pharmaceutical company's uh, modus operandi for decades, you know, is yep. uh, almost making up a disease, scaring everybody about it, and then offering an expensive solution. Um, well, you know, the thing about the Ebola virus itself is – you know, I was concerned about that until I read a little bit about it. And the Ebola virus can't be really transmitted. It only goes a few feet and everybody drops dead within 10 feet of the person who has it. And that's, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but <laughs> right, right. that's not as much of a problem. I I would also <clears throat> suspect that just like the stories coming out of China, fool me once and shame on me. There's you, fool me twice, shame on you, right? Or shame on yeah. me. So yeah. uh, I don't think that... Um, I, I think that people are tougher than anybody gives us credit for. Um, this uh, COVID thing was certainly uh, it was it was an easily beatable problem if we were allowed to uh, use the proper therapies. It, it, we basically would have been a nothing burger, as we say in California, right? Uh, yeah. But uh, instead, <clears throat> we believe the stories, and I'm hoping that people are getting. Um, you know, essentially very skeptical about anything that comes around. And I, I think people are stronger and tougher. And I don't believe that, I think it's very unlikely that we they've got a genetic therapy that it's going to screw future generations and foul up our kids and everything else. I, you know, I it doesn't seem implausible that they've made a lot of people infertile. But yeah. um, I think if you made it 17 months after your last shot, uh, you're probably okay. We have never seen a drug uh, that does that has long-term effects like that. So it's possible it's been developed, but if you examine the warp operation warp speed and all that, it doesn't seem. It seems like more like a Chinese fire drill than than a, a careful development of a horrible bioweapon. So well, I I, I want to be reassuring to your your listeners that they shouldn't allow themselves to be stuck again with a medication 
that was formulated by a pack of mobsters, right? Never yeah. again. Uh, but if you have made it uh, six or 12 or 17 months after the last time you've been sh- uh, shot, uh, I-, I think you're fine uh, in all likelihood. Well, which is why I believe they want to keep doing the injections. My mm-hmm. bigger concern, and, and we talked about the, the red herrings and, you know, this idea of, of, you know, these like things like hydro vulgaris being in the vaccination, which then can, can jump from one person to the next. And I, 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 I can't speak on that. And I don't know how necessarily true that is. What I can speak on is things of the line of, you know, nanotechnology being in there and having nanotechnology in there could be used as a form of, you know, a track and trace. Now that we already are being tracked and traced that, you know, which we all know because we all carry around iPhones. And this is why when you're on your iPhone, if you start talking about, for example, I was talking to my girlfriend about, I'm like, I need to get another tripod for my camera. Next thing you know, her ads on her phone are showing tripods on her phone. So they're definitely listening to the things that we're doing. Um, I, you know, my bigger concern is the, the people, especially American people taking a step back and, and stop stopping, allow themselves to be what I, what I consider almost like a Stockholm syndrome. We need to not allow, we should never take what is being told to us on television as gospel. We need to spend time doing the research. And as you said, I've said, don't believe anything I'm saying. Don't believe anything that Dr. Yoho is saying. Don't believe anything that Peter, that Dr. Peter McCullough is saying. Go do your own research. Look this stuff up. And, and I think that the hard part is a lot of the areas that you're looking up. We just talked about Google previously. Google is, is whitewashing. They are, they are pushing away any type of, of data other than mainstream. So you're going to have to really dive deep into it. I know a lot of people are going on um, uh, DuckDuckGo in order to be able to circumvent or finding other search engines to circumvent Google stopping you from being able to pull that data. But I do think that that's something that we should bring up. And I, I know we touched on this, and I'd love to have your your opinion on um, the World Health Assembly agreeing to to launch that treaty, uh, which is in conjunction with the World Health Organization. There's a treaty that they're looking to push through called the International Pandemic Treaty. And it was something that was discussed March 3rd on, in 2020. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is I think it's very important for people to understand that they were already holding an international pandemic treaty at the very beginning of the pandemic. Why is that? They were already discussing research and response uh, to this. They're, they're, the big goal was for them to understand, as they put it, the World Health Organization to strengthen pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. But it wasn't a pandemic at that point. It, it just started to move through. So what is it they were preparing for? And these are the things. So I'm curious your take on, I know we had, had a little bit of a conversation prior to that. What is your take on that? Well, let's just back up for one second. And I've heard that DuckDuckGo is no longer as reliable as it was. And Robert Epstein, who was interviewed on Rogan, and again, listen to him at two times speed, um, he says that Brave browser is now the best if you can get it to work on your, uh, on your, uh, they've got a, a browser and, well, you know, I'm not sure of the terms, but have a look at that and look at the interview. Uh, but as far as the World Health Organization, that thing is not, it's obviously not, uh, it's obviously corrupted by these globalist um, predators, and uh, they are not to be trusted. And uh, just how powerful such a treaty would be, where they claim that your own constitution is not active if they're in the case of a uh, a pandemic, I, I don't know. And uh, I I think our best hope now is that these red states uh, with independent governors are going to cry bullshit on a lot of these things that the feds are trying to do. And 
and half the country uh, won't institute any of it. I live in California, and I'd like to get the heck out of here. Uh, but uh, it's 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 a big change. That's a it's a malignant uh, it's a malignant development. And you can listen to Peter Bregan's interview about that at bregan.com, b-r-e-g-g-i-n.com, and and get more information and and get his take on it. But because he's a he's a very sophisticated observer. Look, there, there, are, there is a list of doctors, and I'm, I'm more than happy to, to go through them with the audience. I mean, I, I, you know, between besides Doctor Doctor, you know, Robert Yoho, who I have on today, you have Doctor Peter McCullough. There's Doctor Ryan Cole. There's Doctor Harvey Risch. There's Doctor George Ferry. There's Doctor Perry Corey. Uh, there's Doctor, um, I think it's Brian Artis. Uh, Doctor Brett Weinstein. You have Doctor, you know, um, Zelenko, uh, Vladimir Zelenko. Doctor David Weisselman. Doctor Robert Malone. I mean, there are so many doctors that are that these aren't. You know, they want to, they want to try to, they're trying to pull their licenses. They're trying to, to discredit them. They're using disinformation to, to try to destroy these doctors' lives and credibility. And the irony is that these doctors ha- have, have been around for, you know, decades and have been touted as, you know, some of the, some of the top doctors in the world in their field. And now because they're coming out and doing exactly what we all want them to do, which is speak the truth question the science, have honest conversations. Dr. Robert Malone created the mRNA vaccination. This isn't this isn't like just some you know random pediatrician. Not that pediatricians don't have validity. My point is, is that he has said over and over, and he's come out and said this, is, and he's been very, what I love about Dr. Malone, for the example, and, and I'd love for you to touch on this afterwards, is Dr. Robert Malone has been very cautious in the things that he says about the mRNA and, and when they start talking about you know world government. And as of the last couple of weeks, I've listened to him more and more, and now he's being much more brazen about it because I think he's tired of all the bullshit and the attacks on himself. It's it's becoming where the the fringe movement, quote unquote, that people are saying are fringe, more and more people are going to it because they're recognizing the lies and the manipulation that's being peddled on us. The, the more you get into this, the more pissed you get, Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm a lot more pissed than I look. And when I laugh, it's a dark humor, you, you know. <clears throat> and we can put links to these organizations and groups you can support in the show notes. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I would, I would just get on the, uh, you know, the, the email list of these people and, and see what you think of. And I, I would close here by saying, don't get too excited about anything that goes down because it, it's, is a tremendous amount of propaganda. I mean, even the Ukraine things, Ukraine's a disaster. It's this area the size of Texas. And there, a quarter of the population is displaced and moving into Poland now. I mean, it's just horrible. Um, but um, nuclear war seems like a remote event. And uh, I, I mean, what will probably happen is within a few months or a few weeks, it'll get compromised somehow and it'll be the end of it because they've, they've been under a lot of pressure economically to, to stop that stuff. Um, so, uh, so I would say that, that just don't get too excited and... Uh, and learn as much as you can and don't uh, don't listen to the mainstream media or or the scientific press anymore. I mean, the British Medical Journal is the only one with any integrity left. So you can read that. But even they are very cautious about what they say there. The, the pharma companies have been given so much resources and money that they bribe everyone. It's crazy. Yeah, we have a step. Yeah. Go ahead. No, so we have a school here in Arizona. It's called the Southwestern Medicine, uh, Southwestern School for College for uh, Naturopathic Medicine. And they were just bought. They were just bought by a large pharmaceutical company. So they're changing their entire design and structure of, of any type of holistic and alternative medicine. It's really a shame.
nearly all the ads on news shows are sponsored by pharma and 75% of the TV ads are sponsored by pharma. And so, I mean, you can't rely on any of them. What I will say to, to the audience is, Again, don't listen to us. I will have all the links in the show. This is, this is, uh, you know, again, we're coming to the end, but this is a very pivotal show for, for me as well, because I want everyone to, to dive in, open themselves up. Don't believe it, but, but take your time to research it and understand it. And the biggest thing I would say to everyone is follow the money. Follow the money. See where the money leads you. And that was one of the big things that opened my mind up, just how much government corruption we have, the corruption with the FDA, the corruption with uh, you know, the, the Department of Agriculture. I mean, there is so much corruption in our in our country. And the foundation is based on in, within the government. And we need to take a step back and recognize that. You have the choice to take your life. So the last thing I'd like to say is... What do you do? You know, it's intimidating, all this stuff. And it's easy to think that your best your best course is to put your head in your shell and pretend like it's not happening. But my question to you and all the listeners is, what do you do when your foot is in the alligator's mouth, right? You'd better struggle because you're going to get eaten. <laughs> you know, so that's where we are. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're in trouble and we all have to uh, we all have to understand this and educate our friends and uh, hopefully support some of these people that are doing the right thing. I mean, anybody that's looked at Canada and Australia and a lot of Europe lately, I mean, it, it looks horrible. It looks a lot worse than the U.S. And we're in trouble here. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it definitely is. Uh, it's very polarizing. And what we don't want is we don't want an Australia. We don't want to we don't want to be like Canada. We don't want to be, uh, you know, uh, like Shanghai. I mean, again, these are that's that could be a very real thing here. And I think that the more people be educate themselves, the more people take the time to really dive deep and understand what's going on, um, the, the better chance we have at, at stopping all this and holding people accountable. Well, thanks well, Doctor, for having I appreciate, me, Joshua. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're great. I, I, I look, I, I would love to have you back on again to have an entire conversation about hormones because I think that's also very, very important. Um, I, I think that especially my generation, I'm, I'm in, like I said, I'm in my 40s, and I think that my generation is is really dealing with. With moving into that direction. I know a lot of men continue to lose, you know, their, their testosterone levels are dropping and same thing with women. So I'd love to have that conversation with you as well at some point. Yeah. It's uh, been a fairly dramatic decline over the last 30 years, sperm counts, testosterone levels and all that. But there, there are some caveats about taking them and I'm happy to come back on. So thank, thanks for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it guys. Again, like subscribe, please spread the word. I appreciate all of you that, that as this, this continues to grow, the tribe continues to grow. So thank all of you and, uh, and God bless. 